we finished the segment and, you know, again, he was about to get whisked off to the next show for the car wash. And I, I don't somehow got up the courage to blurt out. I was like, do you still do new episodes of Beat Bobby Flay? And oh, you asked him on set. You actually did. I asked him like you. in the commercial break. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, you want to be on the show? And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> So yeah, we kind of just became friends from that and kept in touch. And I ended up recording an episode of Beat Bobby Flay like later that year. So his interview was in May. We recorded the Beat Bobby Flay episode in December. I also then recorded through Bobby an episode of Food Network Star. I was a judge on one of the episodes that was taped in March. And then in April, I was laid off. So easy to be a fan of Food Network star and former ESPN anchor Jamie Sire joining me in this episode. Welcome back to Bucketless Careers. I'm Krista Laurie. If you haven't had the chance to get to know her in a more unscripted way outside of anchoring and hosting, you're going to love this conversation. Jamie currently hosts Food Network's first and only podcast, Food Network Obsessed, which is a culmination of a nearly 20-year career in TV and media that took this Montana native all over the country. You may have seen her as a guest host on Beat Bobby Flay or as floor reporter for Iron Chef Showdown. Jamie now also owns her own media company and creates content for brands, doing it all from her home in Brooklyn, New York. And I wouldn't be shocked if we saw her back on TV soon, hosting a show focusing on her big passions, food and travel. In this episode, she's fully transparent about her pivot from sports broadcasting. Jamie actually helped launch and anchor the morning installment of Sports Center. It was a huge gig, and the decision to leave ESPN was not hers. They laid off over 100 on-air talent in 2017. But how Jamie regrouped is beyond impressive. She really didn't miss a beat, evolving closer to her ideal professional pursuit. Oh, and if you're a foodie, get ready. We have some other delicious conversation in this one. She and I really had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Jamie, it's so awesome to have you on Bucketless Careers. Welcome. I know you're doing a million and one things for Food Network, (laughs) and I feel lucky that we got you. We locked you down for this. Oh, thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here, and I'm so pumped to talk to you today. Yeah, I would say one silver lining of the pandemic is having the ability to do this by Zoom because you're coming to me from Brooklyn. You're doing your own podcast from there. You're not in person yet, right? You're doing Food Network Obsessed from your home. Absolutely. Yeah, we started, we launched Food Network Obsessed actually in January of 2021. Mm -hmm. So, Oh, that's exactly when I launched mine. Exactly. Oh, wow. (laughs) Congrats. Almost a, a year anniversary to both of us. There you go. We launched during still pandemic times, obviously. So Everything's been from home, which is uh, fun and also sometimes technically uh, challenging um, <laughs> job, I guess. Yes. But it's been great. It's 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 been so much fun. I love being able to just pop onto my computer, hook up the mic if it's working, and talk to people. Just slightly more casual than sports casting, <laughs> right? Than ESPN. Exactly. You know, we're going to dig into all of that. And Jamie, of course, when I reached out to you about Bucketless Careers, you know that this is about career evolution, cool gigs, and the journeys and pivots along the way. And as far as you're concerned, I mean, yours is from one fascinating area to another. There's so much to unpack there. But let's start with your road to success as a sportscaster. You didn't actually start out specializing in sports. So how did you decide that was a good fit for you? Well, I knew I wanted to do television for sure. I chose my college based on that. I went to Washington State, went to the Edward R. Murrow School of Communications and all that. 
I thought I wanted to be a news anchor like you. Yeah. I kind of focused on that for the first few years of college. And I, I don't know, there was at, at some point, perhaps during one of my internships or or something like that, that I just, I, I enjoyed the storytelling. I enjoyed connecting with people on television. I didn't love I didn't love when I had to go cover a fire or a death or something like that. Like, I didn't like the sad part of, mm. of covering news. I, like, the breaking news part can be exciting, but some of it, the tragedy, what have you, like hunting down families sometimes of people that were yeah. in tragic situations, you'd be like, wait, no, this isn't necessarily for me. I feel you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I had friends in the business that like thrived on breaking news. Yeah. I was not one of those people. So I kind of just pivoted very early. You know, mm -hmm. I, I decided like sports, I love sports. Somebody's always winning. So somebody's always in a good mood, right? <laughs> that's true. For the most part, it was it was fun and it was lighthearted. You know, obviously that's evolved also over the last few years, but I kind of just made that switch. I, I think it was my senior year in college and decided to just focus on sports. Also at that time, being a woman in sports was still a relatively new phenomenon. So yeah. I mean, the other side of me, the business side was like, I see my path a little bit shorter on this side. Sure. There was a need and you were looking to fill it. So you worked in local stations. I know you lived in California. You went to a couple stations there, San Diego, San Francisco. You worked your way all the way up to ESPN, moving to Bristol, Connecticut. And by the way, our timelines were not in sync, but I lived in West Hartford, Connecticut, oh. worked for WBIT for a little okay. bit. So I remember Bristol. All right. Very different from Montana. Yes. <laughs> and the West Coast in general. And very different from San Francisco, to be honest. I actually almost didn't take that job, really? believe it or not, because... I was living in San Francisco. I had a great apartment, a great group of friends. I had just finished covering the the San Francisco Giants second World Series run. Life was good and I was very happy and I'm always somebody that wants to have that good balance of work, life, everything. So I almost I, I was considering not taking it and then I talked to pretty much everybody in my inner circle who told me I was crazy <laughs> if I didn't take the job. Well, right. I mean, it's the culmination of so much hard work and it really is like the pinnacle of sports. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. So like I had to do it, but I think I was more worried about going from a place like San Francisco, which I loved yeah. to, like you said, Bristol, Connecticut, West Hartford is where I ended up living as well. So I think the way I, I approached that, though, was just it's like grad school. I can do anything for a few years. And I did. And I, I'm so glad. I mean, it was it was definitely one of the, the best decisions I've ever made. It was an incredible opportunity for sure. You never look back and have any regrets as far as taking that gig. You, you proved yourself. You earned it on a national stage. Obviously, so many fans and so many accolades. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. But then things came to a halt. Not to go negative, no, but this okay. is part of your journey and your story. And there were a bunch of layoffs in 2017. That was a hard time. So let's talk about how you navigated that, what people can learn from it. And I think what you may have learned about yourself, because anyone that's been in the news business has <laughs> had a tough break like this, yeah. right? So tell me how you've grown. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And I was very lucky up until that point. I, I hadn't really had any of those tough breaks. So mm -hmm. that was my time to kind of go through that, which, as you mentioned, almost everybody has gone through something like that, whether you're in TV or not, by yeah. the way. But 
No, when it first happened, I was absolutely devastated. We kind of had heard rumblings, rumors that these layoffs were coming. I initially wasn't nervous at all. I was doing the morning show that they had just launched like the year prior. I was doing well. And yeah. everyone around me was like, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Great chemistry with your co-anchor. Yeah. You know, just everything yeah. was rolling. 100%. Right. Yeah. As I it got a little closer, I just had this weird feeling. I had this pit in my stomach that I was going to be part of it. And yeah. the day that it happened, we, we had seen somebody on Twitter had announced their layoff. This was during the show. I'd seen that. And then I walked off set. And like two minutes later, my phone rang and it was one of my my supervisors. And he asked me to meet him in some, you know, nondescript building that I had never really been to on campus. And yeah, you felt it. I was part of the layoffs. I was one of over 100 on on air people that were laid off. So yeah, it was it was a gut punch for sure. There was a lot of crying involved. There was a lot of alcohol involved that night with friends that came over to an, an impromptu layoff party at my house that my boyfriend, my new boyfriend at the time had uh, organized. But <laughs> I think even funny. even the next morning, I woke up, I had like 200 text messages that I hadn't even had a chance to look at or return. And I think my first thought was like, oh, I didn't have to get up at 3.30 a.m. this morning. Oh, of course, right? Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we all know there is no nine to five in the news business. Yeah, so you yeah. got to sleep. So, yeah, I got to <laughs> sleep in. And I think as as the weeks kind of went on, but I had a chance to step back a little yeah. bit, I realized that I was super burned out, to be honest. It's a grind. ESPN is a, an amazing place, but it is a machine. And it can chew you up and spit you out if you're not careful. And I was grinding. You know, I was getting up at 3.30 in the morning doing three-hour shows, five days a week. I didn't have much of a social life aside from when I would come down to New York on the weekends to see my friends, but then be extremely tired when I get back to Connecticut on Sunday night and have to do it all over again on Monday morning. So I was very burned out and I didn't realize it. So I think the layoff for me pushed me in a direction that I was sort of leaning towards already. I would never have had probably the guts to actually like make that leap at that time, at least. Right. Because I had just signed a new contract a year prior. So I definitely wasn't thinking about making that move right then. But when it was kind of forced upon me, that was a good thing. Like sometimes you have to just be pushed in the direction that, that you want to go, even if you're not ready for it. Right. And then step back. And it might take a little time, but just see that as an opportunity to regroup, which you obviously did. And what I'm talking about is your interest in cooking. You had actually been blogging since 2011. You had sort of a side yeah. hustle going on throughout <laughs> your newscasting career. So that seems like it was foreshadowing in a way. And I wonder, like, was your favorite guest on ESPN, Bobby Flay, which ended up sort of leading to future opportunities, right? 100%. <laughs> yes. In fact, I mean, it's so funny that you say that. I remember when we got word that we were booking Bobby Flay at ESPN, they call it the car wash when a big name mm -hmm. will come in because they run them through all of the different shows. <laughs> it makes sense. Like yeah. a car wash. Yeah. And so we had found out that we're booking Bobby Flay. And thankfully, everybody from producers to, you know, everybody that was the bookers, everybody at ESPN knew of my interest in food right. and cooking. And so immediately they're like, oh, well, we're booking him for SportsCenter I am and Jamie's going to do the interview. And the day that he was originally supposed to come in, I was going to be flying back from the West Coast. And I said, I'll, I'll just come in. We can record it. Like, I will do anything. Like, I want to do this interview. And they said, no, no, no. He has a couple other avails. We'll just switch the date. So it was so nice that they did that in the first place. And then 
we did the segment on on Sports yeah. Center. I was so nervous to do it. I was so nervous to talk to him. <laughs> he told me later that he was nervous to talk to me. I I think he was just being nice saying that. But <laughs> but you probably had more food and cooking expertise than anybody else. Like totally. in terms of interviewing him, right? You were probably the most qualified of anybody on that I was set nervous. that day. But yeah, you were nervous, which is normal. Yeah. Walk us through how that got you started with Food Network. Your favorite appearances and where that took you. Well, we finished the segment and again, he was about to get whisked off to the next show <laughs> for the car wash. And I I know somehow got up the courage to blurt out. I was like, do you still do new episodes of Beat Bobby Flay? And well, you asked him on set. You actually did. I Good asked him like you. in the commercial break. Yeah. And then he goes, yeah, you want to be on the show? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of just became friends from that and kept in touch. And I, I ended up recording an episode of Beat Bobby Flay like later that year. So his interview was in May. We recorded the Beat Bobby Flay episode in December. I also then recorded through Bobby an episode of Food Network Star. I was a judge on one of the episodes that was taped in March. And then in April, I was laid off. So none of that had aired yet when I got laid off. So then those things started airing that summer. And then on top of that, there was an opportunity to be the floor reporter for Iron Chef Showdown, So I did that audition, taped that in the summer. So from the outside, it looked like I just (laughs) seamlessly, effortlessly just jumped into this new career with not skipping a beat. It had kind of been a little bit in the making by then. I definitely owe so much to Bobby. He's been such a great advocate for me and just a connector at Food Network to other people, other departments. Yeah. I mean, look, you obviously have the on-air capability, right? I mean, I'm just thinking about what's kismet and what's meant to be. You also had this background for years and years and years that you hadn't tapped into yet, right? Because I remember reading that you, as a young girl, you and your sister used to make dinner once a week for your mom, a single mom in Montana, like you were helping her. I love that. And then what also fueled, I think, your food interest, which became an obsession, was your traveling in Barcelona and your time in California. So pulling this all together... What do you think that takes to do that? I mean, I'm thinking about listeners and takeaways and how people have different interests, but they don't always necessarily know how to connect those proverbial dots and launch something the way you have. I think it's really important for people to have those other interests and, and explore them. I do know so many of my other colleagues who were laid off at the same time as I was, and their one focus was sports, yeah. TV, like that's it. There were some people that had a really hard time rebounding from that and finding new jobs. Where do you go after ESPN? Like that's the pinnacle, right? So because I had this other interest and and not just an interest, I had been doing my blog, which was, you know, at that time, less of a side hustle, more of just a, a side hobby. But it definitely gave me something to be creative, take photos work on my photos, work on my writing, work on my recipe development so that when this did happen, I didn't know it, but I was definitely prepared to handle it because I had already been working on the side. I think if you are too laser focused on one area or career or thing, you can get blindsided. And if you have these other interests and hobbies and just things that you're kind of pursuing, it definitely makes you a more well-rounded person, but it also makes you more well-equipped to handle a career shift like that. No, absolutely. And bringing us back to the here and now, 
what's really lighting you up about Obsessed, this podcast? And were you a podcast person before you started this? Is this like a whole new world for you that you launched? It it is. In 2021. (laughs) Same for me, right? I mean, it's been fascinating to see what's out there and the different types of formats. I know yours is a little longer. I think it's about 40 minutes, 45. You're once a week. What do you hope listeners really get from it? I love the vibe, by the way. It's upbeat and informative, obviously on the food front. Yeah. It's funny. It's real. You've got different people every week. All the things a foodie would want in a podcast. But what do you really want to deliver to your listeners? Obviously, it's called Food Network Obsessed, so it is geared towards the Food Network super fan. But my hope is that even people who don't necessarily watch Food Network 24-7 would really get something out of this podcast because the way we have kind of evolved and formatted it is we start with kind of that person, whoever the guest is, their journey to get to wherever they are. Similar to you as well. Similar to this. Yeah. And then the last half is a little bit more Food Network programming heavy. So if if you are a fan, like all of it will appeal to you. But I think there is something for everybody in this podcast. The thing that I really enjoy is hearing people's stories because everybody has a different journey, a different path to their success or to their career. And I love diving in and hearing about that, like hearing why they got their start in food and and those smells that bring them back to, to childhood. And there's just so many stories to uncover. And as you know, doing news for so long, a lot of times the producer will say, oh, you have three minutes with this person, which is essentially two questions. That was on SportsCenter a lot, which I understand. It's a fast moving show. This really allows me to kind of just like sit and talk to somebody for an hour. Yeah. That's so fun. And it, it definitely draws more on my journalism training, you know, the, the longer mm-hmm. form interviews and listening to what people are saying, follow up questions from things that they said that you didn't find on the internet ahead of time, you know, so response questioning, which is much harder than just looking down at your notes with your 10 questions. But (laughs) I hear you. It it is a little more challenging. Yeah. I mean, of course, you rise to that challenge without a question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. No, it it is more challenging, but it's it's a lot more fun. And I, I, I hope listeners feel that way as well. Yeah. I have an incredibly important question. Okay. (laughs) The origins of the Sire Witch. (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, the Sire Witch, yes. <laughs> Which is a sandwich, people, if you don't know. So the Jamie Sire Witch is a sandwich at a sandwich shop that started in San Francisco. It's called Ike's Place. But I mean, he has like 80 locations or something, not just in California anymore. But but it did start in San Francisco. It's definitely like a cult following there. And the funny thing is, actually, I was sitting at lunch with my friend, Adam Littlefield, who is one of my producers. Mm-hmm. And we were just, I don't know how Ike's came up. And he said, you, you should get your own sandwich there. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and he said, no, he's actually really, he's really active on social media. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe. And then he actually tweeted at Ike from the account of the show that he was producing at the time to get his attention, said something like, you know, a little birdie told me Jamie Sire wants her own sandwich. And he responded right away. He's like, let's do it. So I love how those things happen. What is it again? I should know this. You know, it's okay. I'm hungry, by the way. It's lunchtime. So I know. Same. Bring it on. Whatever. It is fried chicken, mm. this golden barbecue sauce, which is like a mustard based barbecue sauce, ranch dressing mm. and pepper jack cheese. <laughs> and then I love he, he have this bread called Dutch crunch out there. That's really, really good. And Ike has this like signature, like he calls a dirty sauce that he puts on every single one of his sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's amazing. it's very low calorie as well. This sandwich, by the way. 
as you can tell. Um, <laughs> yes, no, it was fun though. We I got to go in for a, a tasting. You know, it was we like tried all these different combos, <laughs> and I thought I wanted one thing. We ended up with this, and it to this day, honestly, it's like. I'm very proud of this, but it's it's certainly one of their most popular sandwiches. It and, is. I'm yeah. not surprised. Plus pepper jack. You can't go wrong with pepper jack. I know. Right? And fried chicken. Yeah. It's it's a very messy sandwich, but uh, it, it's worth it. Dig I promise. Dig into it. So where do you see yourself in five years? Are, are we <sighs> seeing a restaurant or oh, are, maybe another TV show situation? Yeah. Definitely not a restaurant. I know okay. too many people in the restaurant business and I know how – I mean, I – admire them and respect them so much. I love eating at restaurants, obviously, but I know <laughs> how much work it is. The hours are crazy, of course. Not that yeah. I'm a stranger to weird hours, but I don't know if, that I'd want to go back to that. So definitely not a restaurant, but certainly more TV. I would love to have my own TV show that's, that is involving food yeah. and travel and maybe sports too. I mean, I think that would be a smart move to just kind of combine all of, all of my, right. my bucket list careers into one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> love it. But love I, it. yeah, Thank so you for let's that. just put it out into the universe. We're going to manifest yeah. this for 2022. Yeah. I would love to have host my own show. I, as much as I love podcasting, I do miss TV. I hear you. Yeah. And the, obviously the pandemic really put a halt to all that because I was doing a lot of freelance TV appearances and that kind of thing before the pandemic. And then I really have only aside from stuff I've done from my home, which I have done a lot of random, you know, virtual events and live streaming classes for Food Network Kitchen and that kind of thing. But I was finally mm -hmm. back in a studio a few weeks ago doing an episode of Beat Bobby Flay. They were back in studio for the first time in two years. And it was like, I almost oh, wow. started crying. Oh, you missed yeah. it. I you missed, missed it. it. I was, you know, I had the green room and they have flowers for you. And there's a makeup <laughs> person doing your makeup and your hair. It's right. so lovely. Right. And everybody behind the scenes <laughs> doing the camera work and the yes, directors, the, the producers. Thing. Yeah, no, I, the, the connection. The connection. No, I, and then just I, being, I that. being on camera and, and doing your thing, you know, I, I, I feel so at home doing that. So I, I really hope yeah. that, that that's comes, where you belong. Yeah. That's where but you I want to keep doing the podcast as coming. well. I, I do really, really mm -hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. So like a, a combo of the two, I would say. <laughs> Right. That would be a perfect hybrid. Yes. I see it. I see it. Jamie, this has been so much fun. We could go on forever. I'm so glad we did it. Everybody, if you're not already listening, you should be to the Food Network podcast Obsessed. It comes out every week. And Jamie, on Instagram, what's your handle again? I love your posts. Oh, they make me hungry. <laughs> thank you. It's just my name. My name is spelled a little bit wonky. Uh, not wonky, just creatively. It's it's phonetically spelled, as I tell people, but it's Jamie, J-A-Y-M-E-E. -E. And then my last name, Sire, S-I-R-E. So that's just me on Instagram. As you mentioned, I post a lot of food, a lot of our travels, a lot of my daily life, but it's a lot yeah, of fun. It's just kind of you real. It's like a real portrayal of you having fun. I love it. So such a blast to have you. Thanks again so much for being on Bucket List Careers, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. Such a fun episode. Great to have Jamie Sire with me. And just a quick note about our release day of the week. We switched it. We're now out on Thursdays. There were a few people who were looking for it on Wednesdays. But with season two, we decided to just make this change. And you can find new content every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great one, guys. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.